1: The executive producer of the Road of Radio Podcast Network and co-host of the Road of His Overtime Podcast, along with the phenomenal Sean
0: Siegel. The wait is over. The NFL season is here and there's no better time than the present to sign up for a Road of His NFL Pass. You'll get access to all of our content, all of our tools,
1: everything you need to help you for that in-season success. As a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount just by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Or go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Now, let's go win those fantasy championships.
2: We're reacting to week two of NFL action on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabe, and alongside Curtis Patrick, we're two of the owners here at Rotoviz. The season continues to roll along. Uh, felt like yesterday got off to a bit of a slow start, but we had some exciting finishes down the stretch. We're back at full strength. We have Curtis here this week. Kevin Cole from Pro Football Focus is stopping by. Going to be a good week, Curtis. It is good to have you back, my friend.
1: Well, it's good to be back. Uh, it's always fun to to get away with the family, and this was kind of an unexpected trip. Uh, nice to make memories with my parents, spend a little quality time with my brother uh, and sister in law and their kids. Um, definitely made it hectic uh, trying to you know manage my fantasy rosters. You know, I wrote of his uh, kind of co owned teams when I wasn't really in charge of my schedule, man. I had to like keep all these other people happy, other even more people, you know, kind of like uh, putting demands on my time. But I mean, those are like great problems to have. And, and as I'm watching this, uh, our heavy, as I'm watching this Monday night football game, I just saw TJ Hawkinson score a sick touchdown in the back of the end zone. And uh, I'm just, I'm really happy about our exposure to him across uh, all of our high stakes leagues there, Dave. So um, yeah, anyway, coming off a vacation high and now uh, coming off of a Hawkinson high.
2: Nice. Well, I'm glad that that is getting off to a better start for us that game than my technical uh, equipment that we have here, (laughs) because I was very excited to roll out some new sound effects this week. Unfortunately, Curtis is not going to be able (laughs) to hear these sound effects but nonetheless, I think that we will make do. And here is the first one. Curtis, you can't hear it, but this is some triumphant music. Uh, it's supposed to sound like an award show beginning. And that is because <laughs> I want you to hand out our first award of the season. We're going to go back to more of a structured show like uh, I used to do a couple of years back where we give out a couple of awards. Curtis, give us the player of the week.
1: Oh man, the player of the... There's, there's truly uh, a handful of deserving players um, if we were doing like cumulative two-week awards, but this is a week two award. There is only one player worthy of consideration and it's, it's the king of Nashville, man. Derek <laughs> M. F. And Henry. What a man. What a man. I mean, the Titans are in comeback mode. And they managed to like play hurry up, run game football. And Henry just explodes in the second half. I've got a great stat poll here. I mean, he, he really, I mean, he's a unique player in NFL history already because of his size speed combo, you know, uh, one of very few players, you know, with these uber productive 400, uh, 400 plus touch seasons, but the game that he put together. So first off, he set a, a new personal career high in single game uh, receptions with six. So congrats to Derek Henry. We've been wanting to see this usage forever, but the uh, particular stat combo of 180 or more rushing yards, five plus receptions, 50 plus receiving yards and three or more total touchdowns. He became just the seventh player in modern NFL history, post-merger history, to accomplish this, and it's like literally the fantasy running back Hall of Fame uh, that he just joined here. So, um, Marshall Falk, Priest Holmes, and Ladainian Tomlinson all accomplished that in 2002, which is a, just like Dave. I mean, I know I'm a couple years older than you. I don't know if you were playing <laughs> fantasy in 2002 yet. Uh, that was my senior year, uh, I guess. No, that would have been my freshman year uh, of uh, of college, the fall of 2002. And that is an all-timer fantasy football season for running backs. It's like just absolutely nuts. So those three guys do it in 2002. Then we wait seven more years. So we waited 32 years for this, anyone to accomplish this. Then seven more years, CJ2K, Chris Johnson does it in 2009. Le'Veon Bell does it in 2014. And now Derrick Henry in 2021. So he he literally put that team on his back. Uh, I think, you know, everyone in Nashville is uh, sleeping a little easier um, this week, knowing that the offense isn't totally broken and, you know, some of their superhumans and Derrick Henry and Julio Jones showed up this week. But man, what an impressive performance. And I think that this season ultimately will be more fun if Derrick Henry is still good. So he's my player of the week.
2: Yeah, it is impossible to argue with that. The the most exciting part about this, I think from a fantasy perspective here, is he went six of six, six receptions and six targets for 55 yards. Uh, and obviously the three touchdowns is pretty darn exciting as well. Now, is Derek Henry going to go six a- of six every week? Maybe not. But what's that? AJ Brown wishes
1: he could go six for six. I mean, oh, boy. Like that.
2: To- <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> that's,
1: that's, that's what we're dealing with here, man. Derrick Henry's the new wide receiver, too, in Tennessee.
2: <laughs> oh, my uh, Lord.
1: What a, what a fun week. Yeah. What a fun week.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think much more needs to be said than that. But we all know that Curtis likes to be an optimist. He likes to go out there, you know, praise, good thoughts, good energy. Somebody's got to be the cynic here, though, right? And, uh, you can't hear it, Curtis, but that is the sound effect of somebody snoring in a deep, deep sleep. And that is because I have to give out a snoozer of the week award here to a player that, uh, by all indications hit that snooze a little too long and never got ready for the game. And it pains me to say this because you and I, I believe have him on a couple of teams that were co-managing that's LaVisca Chenault one rush for zero yards. Seven targets, two receptions for negative three yards, Curtis. That is not good. Now, in week one, he did go seven of nine for 50 yards. But this week two performance is so horrendous that he has to get the award. I can't look past it, even though he has been involved in this Jaguars offense. But man, we talked about it a little bit. He's not going to be in our lineups till we see a bit of a change. Um, Just a, a disappointment all around for LaVisca
1: yeah and add the shoulder injury uh, to boot, so he he literally added injury to insult uh for, for fantasy <laughs> oh owners. boy uh it's it's a tough it's a tough situation. It's tough to have exposure to uh the jaguars. I mean, they look like an absolute train wreck uh it's it's off the rails early in the season. There's just really save Marvin Jones, there's really no other bright spot uh in that offense right now. so um, might be an example of good players stay good. Um, but, you know, the system and the, and the coaching uh, install really not um, looking all that great right now. And even after like a somewhat gross but productive week one from Trevor Lawrence, uh, he didn't look quite as, as good uh, in week two either. So even even were Chennault healthy... Heading into week three, it wouldn't be like we had a lot of confidence in the offense. So I can't argue with that. There were plenty of of fantasy snoozers. Um, And I kind of like this because it's so quiet. Like there could almost be a third category of like fantasy nightmares with like a shrieking sound effect. Um, (laughs) Players who really actually like did a lot of damage um, and, you know, on tons of work. But Chenault just really wasn't involved. So I I think it's perfect. And I think you picked uh, you nailed your candidate. All right. I
2: appreciate that. So what we are going to do now, Curtis, is we are going to hit some game notes. What we're going to do each week uh, on the uh, episode that will come out Tuesday morning. Likely I will be running through three notes that I had on some NFC teams. You can run through three notes that you had on AFC teams. I wanted to start this week with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, First off their defense played a great game against new Orleans. Now, The trend might be, as the season continues, that New Orleans offense is not like the one that came out, had Jameis Winston throwing five touchdown passes against the Packers. But through two, two games, I think they've looked pretty good. And it is exciting to see DJ Moore come out of the gate quickly this year. Last season had a slower start than people would have liked. A lot of fantasy owners, fantasy managers were a little disappointed with his start. But I think that we're seeing why he is still one of the most Uh, exciting young wide receivers in the league. He's now led Carolina in targets uh, two weeks running, led in air yards last week, easily the most targeted this week. Then you have Sam Darnold actually going um, for 279 yards passing in week one over 300 against new Orleans. This is looking like a situation now where Darnold, um, is going to be able to support more as a long-term play going forward, which is pretty re- you know reassuring to see. Uh, where it does become interesting, though, is you have Robbie Anderson um, and Christian McCaffrey looking like the second and third options in the passing game. I think that might leave Terrace Marshall waiting in the wings, leave him a little bit unusable through the year. So I'm excited about more... Um, I still see Anderson playing a role, but do you think that we have a situation where Terrace Marshall is not going to have this value that people would have hoped after the uh, preseason games?
1: I don't know. I mean, I I think it's look, we're, we're two weeks into the season. I think the the takeaway is the Panthers um, look like they might have a truly competent offense. Um, And so it's going to take some time to develop Um, as Darnold gets more, uh, comfortable in the offense as they get deeper into the playbook and understand how to get each you know guy uh, the best looks uh, within the offensive context. I, I think he'll he'll emerge. Um but I, I think you you really did hit the nail on the head. Um, we can actually feel a little bit more confident if week one and week two are any indication. and DJ Moore may be having his first true alpha season, um, which is you know super exciting uh, for all of us here at Rotovis, I, I don't, I really can't think of anyone who hasn't been like T- team DJ M, uh, since his, uh, his days as a prospect. So, uh, love to see it. Love that highlight, uh, on the Panthers and recognizing those trends, you know, between DJ Moore and CMC really being, uh, the focal points of the offense.
2: Yeah, for sure. All right. So let's kick it over to you. What do you have for us on, in the AFC? Okay, um, so so listen, um, I
1: gotta go back. I think I was a year early on a player. Um, there's a lot to discuss with this team because I, I don't know that there's there's a more interesting team to break down from a fantasy perspective in the AFC or maybe the NFL than the Baltimore Ravens uh yep. so far. Okay, so listen, and we had the JK Dobbins entry, then we had the Gus Edwards entry, we have Tyson Williams, and then signing Latavius Murray and Le'Veon Bell. And Devontae Freeman, the running back room has been like, that is like, you could write a chapter book on that, just that. But then we get like Hollywood Brown continued breakout. Like he, he's just, he's just sewed it together with what he did over the last eight games last year in the playoffs. I mean, he really looks like, I, I mean, honestly, the focal point of the offense uh, at this point, he is a wide receiver one through two weeks. Uh, you know, he's averaging a line of six ninety one one, um, through two weeks. I mean, he like, he's it, like he is it. Mark Andrews is averaging 38 receiving yards a game. Like Marquise Brown is the passing offense and Lamar Jackson is the rushing offense. Um, as long as we see that, I mean, man, like I, I go back to my 2020, man. I mean, Mark Marquise Brown, I mean, Looks like a duck, walks like a duck, sounds like a duck. He's probably a duck. Like, I think he is a duck. It just took a minute for him to, you know, really show his true feathers there. Um, And uh, so, yeah, so I'm really, really excited about Hollywood. Um, I'm a little worried about Mark Andrews. Um, I think he'll end up getting there. But I'm a little worried that there's going to be a little bit more space between the Kelsey Waller and what looks to be Hawkinson three-man top and Kittle and Andrews all of a sudden look like they're they're clear tier below. They're not tier one B. They're tier two tight ends right now. Um, and so I think that's something to monitor going forward. And then Lamar Jackson. I mean, he looks like a clear MVP candidate. I was so happy to see him get that you know much uh, wanted uh, you know uh, fought for win over uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I mean, John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson getting over that hump. I think was huge uh, for the Ravens outlook, uh, rest of season, and also for Lamar Jackson's future as an NFL franchise quarterback. I think that win, um, in comeback fashion, the way that it happened, that will speak volumes about, you know, how his current GM and other potential GMs would view him, uh, as a team leader, just, I mean, he's going to have a thousand yard rushing again, easily. Um, what, what can you say? He's just one of the most dynamic, interesting players in the NFL.
2: Yeah, it was awesome watching some of the plays he made uh, in that game last night too. just easy to see why a team would really rally around him, love playing for him, you know, running hard every single play, putting the shoulder down, putting the helmet down, making some hits that ridiculous throw. Now, the other super encouraging thing about Hollywood, in addition to that line has right now, through the two games, averaged 94 air yards, which you love for a player like Hollywood. And then also Sammy Watkins has been involved, actually averaging 7.5 targets. But These are the type of targets that aren't eating into what's valuable for Brown, and they're helping because it's keeping the Ravens on the field, moving the chains. So it's nice that they have another option in the passing game, in addition to Andrews now, that can keep this team moving, open things up perhaps a little bit aerially for brown uh you know the one interesting thing to me is that these backs and this running game no matter who it is is always just looking good I thought Williams has been super exciting uh you know Tavius Murray has been been decent too but I would really like to see them just keep pounding it uh with the with the younger back there
1: yeah uh, yeah that would be it would certainly be more fun to see somebody like just get all of it but at the end of the day um, I think Lamar Jackson is shaping up to be the leading rusher, and we still probably wouldn't see the receiving work. So it's kind of just like, okay, do we yep. need another? Do we need another RB two? Um, you know, it's it's like wide receiver <laughs> fives. Like there's just so many. Uh, do we really need another RB two? Um, or you know, I, I I think in some ways it is kind of fun. Like on showdown slates, like you know, which which guy do you put in the lineup? Who's going to captain tonight? um you know in in a unique lineup where it's not you know where it's not Lamar Jackson getting these rushing touchdowns and some and one of the backs gets all of them so and anyway yeah the ravens they're just going to be a really i mean it's going to be hard to solve them i think as an opposing defense um and like the emergence of a real receiving weapon um in in Hollywood on the perimeter is just like that's just an element they haven't had in the Lamar Jackson era so Uh, good for Hollywood, good for Lamar. Love that they got that win. And uh, yeah, just one of the most interesting teams in the conference conference and and probably the NFL right now.
2: Yeah, for sure. So speaking of young, exciting backs, let's make our way over to Dallas where Tony Pollard, man, Mm. what Mm -hmm. a game he put Mm -hmm. together, Mm -hmm. right? So I had talked Curtis last week when I was doing a show where we're looking at some of the GLSP numbers, how, The GLSP has recognized that Zeke's, you know, average or generally what you're going to expect of his workload to be in a given week has really kind of lowered down. And in week one, Tony Pollard only had three rushing attempts for 14 yards, but went four for four receiving, which was an encouraging sign. Zeke had 11 rushing attempts, two targets in that game. Well, over the weekend, Pollard gets 13 rushes, Zeke 16 Pollard, though, goes for 109 yards in a touchdown. Zeke also goes for 71 in a touchdown. They both caught all of their targets. Uh, Pollard three for three, uh, Zeke two for two, 31 yards for Pollard, receiving 26 for Zeke. So this is really exciting now because not only do we see Pollard getting involved, Zeke is remaining relevant, but it's pretty clear that uh, there's standalone value for Tony Pollard and Tony Pollard can really prosper with that standalone value. If things start to shift his way, man, he could be a league winner. But I do think that Zeke remains involved, barring injury.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
1: Yeah, but I think it's, it's a committee where now Pollard has the most valuable touches coming his way. Sure. So, you know, even if, even if Zeke keeps a 65-35 split on the rushing, if Pollard's going to get the receiving work, like, Zeke's basically trash now. Like, he, he's fantasy trash. Like, he's basically Zach Moss. Um, you know, that's like, that's like, that's where he is. Uh, I I mean, Tony Pollard, though, this is pending Monday night football results. I mean, in, in PPR per game, he's RB 12 and he's only averaging eight rushing attempts a game. And he's only scored one touchdown this year. Like that just goes to show you like what averaging three and a half receptions for 30 receiving yards per game will do for you as a back. I mean, Pollard is outscoring David Montgomery on points per game, Chris Carson, Alvin Kamara, Najee Harris. Jonathan Taylor, Miles Sanders, Zeke, uh, Kareem Hunt, Antonio Gibson. I mean, basically like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, like Pollard is just lapping all these guys and he's not even scoring touchdowns yet. Like what what happens when Pollard breaks, you know, another one or two of these long runs? You know, when I started writing him up as a a big time dynasty trade target, you know, back in 2020, um, after advocating for drafting him in the later rounds of rookie drafts um, the season before it's really because Pollard fits into a group of players uh, where Jamal Charles is is one of his closest early NFL career comps. Um, I'll have to resurface the table I put together for that article, but it's what excited me so much about him is like just his efficiency per touch and and what a breakout for Pollard would look like. And man, if this doesn't like kind of reek of the season where uh, Charles uh, started to break out in Kansas city. I, I don't know what does. So yeah, thank you for highlighting Tony Pollard. <laughs> um I feel like honestly, instead of AFC, NFC week two could have just been a show about like our guys hitting because we also had Cooper yes. and Tyler Lockett. It's like all the team Curtis and Dave guys like just smashed and it felt so good.
2: Well, and then Jalen hurts. Passing wise, yeah. didn't put up a lot oh, of production, yeah, but then yeah. basically ran for like a, a million. Mm-hmm. I think it was only actually like 80 yards and a touchdown, but that really boosts your fantasy scoring. So we ended up having a good week, too. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's funny. Obviously, I was noticing the same thing. Um, we had a couple other guys, too, I think, on some of the teams workout. out. So, um, you know, a lot of fun there for us in week two. But what else do you have for me back in the AFC?
1: Yeah, let's talk about Las Vegas, man. Las Vegas being two and zero. Oh. Um, with, with games against the Steelers and Ravens, I mean, this is nuts. Like those are two quality wins. Like, and that Ravens win looks even, you know, more quality now, obviously, uh, with them having beaten the chiefs and Derek Carr looks like, you know, he's going to be the September offensive player of the month. If he keeps this up, uh, in the ASC, he's averaging 408 passing yards per game through his first two contests. Like he, he looks amazing. And the cool thing is about it, like the running game hasn't really gotten going. Um, Josh Jacobs has been pedestrian and then he, then he missed week two Kenyon Drake and like all the other like cast of characters with Peyton Barber, like everyone's averaging less than two and a half yards of carry. Like it just looks like letting Rodney Hudson go in free agency uh, or I can't remember if they actually, it actually might've cut him. I can't remember how that went down, how he ended up in, in Arizona this offseason. But, I mean, making any change of losing a starter in Las Vegas seemed to be ill-advised at the time, and that's how it's playing out in the running game. But it means the team's putting it on Derek Carr's back, and he's like he's stepping up and getting it done. Uh, we saw a boom game from Henry Ruggs, uh, who we have a lot of uh, best ball and uh, FFPC high-stakes league exposure to that was really exciting and should make things a little easier for Darren Waller moving forward. You know, Waller had the huge week one comes back down to earth a little bit in bit, week two, but he's still probably going to be a, you know, an easy top three tight end for the week uh, with that type of production. Um, so, so I think that's, that's the storyline. It's like, is there enough meat on the bone for Brian Edwards even to, to break out? Can like, can all of kind of the savvy late round receiving options that were popular for Las Vegas payoff uh, for best ball drafters. And can Derek Carr like actually finish the year as a QB, a fantasy QB one again?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing too, I'm excited to to dig into later in the week, some of the more advanced uh, metrics, because mm-hmm. I will say as I'd started looking at Carr, Uh, At a little bit deeper of a level as of late, there definitely was evidence supporting the claim that people had made in the past that Carr had been underrated, starts putting together a season like we've seen so far. It could be very interesting. And I was also relieved to see the way that uh, we saw Brian Edwards get into the end zone, Henry Ruggs start to get involved, because I was a little worried after week one that we could see a situation where Hunter Renfro, for whatever reason, just gets a tremendous share of targets and the other players get left behind. So I was relieved to see that, uh, not come to pass for fantasy reasons. And also I think that, uh, you know, it probably makes sense for this team to involve guys like Edwards and Ruggs, who I think could show that they're pretty talented in their own right. As things move along, let's make our way listen, though. Back- listen, oh, go one, ahead. Yep.
1: One more, th- one more thing on car. Like I know we don't, haven't had a lot of time to d- d- dig into the advanced stats yet, but in week one, he attempted 550 intended air yards, <laughs> like oh. 550, Dave, and then and followed it up with 267 uh, in, in Week Two. You know, against a tougher uh, Pittsburgh, what has proven to be a, a tougher Pittsburgh defense. You yep. know, versus Baltimore. Um, but man, this is yeah, like this is going to be really something to monitor. Uh, really something to monitor. So um, if like in terms of just like practical application. Um, It's very possible that Derek Carr was not claimed in your single QB redraft league um, or like drafted or claimed after week one. Uh, A lot of people being like, "Ah, it's David Carr or Derek Carr. I always do that. I'll do it his whole career. It's Derek Carr. No big deal. Um, Well, it's a big deal now. Like he's, he's actually worth a material uh, fab bid. uh, I think when when I was looking at our strength of schedule uh, app and from week five through the end of the season, uh, Las Vegas actually has the most favorable quarterback schedule. Um, <laughs> uh, so he's got a, a, a tough, kind of a tough three weeks lined up. But I mean, he still easily got there against Pittsburgh. So, you know, right now, the way the offense is functioning, he looks like, you know, he's probably at worst a middling QB2 in a bad matchup, but he might just end up, you know, exploding. And when he gets that easy schedule, rest of season, I mean, look out.
2: Yeah. So super interesting to see how that all plays through, uh, uh, plays out throughout the season. So Carr actually has been a guy that if you've been looking for streamers, and uh, you've been looking at the GLSP. Looks like a guy that you should have been going after, along with Kirk Cousins, who we've talked now um, in some of the preview shows I've done looking at the GLSP a couple of times already, because each of the two weeks he's clearly been the best streamer. I think that he probably should have been on a lot of more rosters than he was going into the season. And he delivered. In both games, so in week two he had ten targets to Justin Jefferson, seven to Thielen, and six to Osborne. So KJ Osborne, man, we need to talk about a little bit. In week one, he had seven receptions on nine targets, um, had seventy-six yards in that game. We're starting to see Osborne emerge here as a player that actually could be usable. Curtis, um, if you take a look at his most recent game, had eighty yards. On those, um, or excuse me, I was looking at the average there. So Osborne had 83, 91 yards, 83, uh, percent, uh, completion rate and a receiving touchdown. Now it's also noticeable that Osborne Jefferson and Thielen scored in this game. So Osborne, a player admittedly that we hadn't talked about throughout the summer, but I think now he does deserve a little bit of airtime. Do you think that we can see this kind of carry forward? I think that, uh, Osborne's become an interesting play.
1: Yeah. I mean, you could certainly do worse in terms of, you know, streaming a flex and obviously in like start three wide receiver leagues. I mean, you could do worse. It's, it's always kind of, it, it feels bad to start a team's, wide receiver three, but it kind of almost looks like they have a wide receiver one and two wide receiver twos like on the team. Cause they're just yep. really not using the tight end much. Uh, and, you know, without Irv Smith and then, you know, the, the running backs haven't even been as involved in the receiving game. So, you know, there might be enough there. Kirk cousins is obviously um, supported, you know, high end fantasy production for receivers his entire career. Um, and he has been a guy that's leaned on his tight ends um, either as a group or as individuals, Um, throughout his career when he's had a good one and he might just not have a very good one this year. So um, I think he's certainly worth rostering. Like in Dynasty Leagues, he probably got picked up after week one, at least in deeper formats. But I think um, in kind of like the roster, like 22 to 25 player, Dynasty best ball uh, style leagues like our Rotoviz Triflex, Dynasty best ball leagues over on FFPC. Like that's the area where, okay, it's not a 30-man roster. Like, okay, he might still be available after week two. Definitely, definitely go out. And Dave, you and I are in a league together. So, you know, we're probably going to be bidding <laughs> against each other if he wasn't picked up. Yeah, uh, But yeah, I think I think he's a player that you definitely have to at least go out and mine um, your dynasty waiver wire for sure, um, even if you don't feel great about it in redraft yet.
2: Very nice. Very nice. Um, why don't you uh, take us back to the AFC to uh, close things out here? Yeah,
1: let's talk about the Bengals. Um, this wide receiver core became super like frustrating to figure out way earlier than maybe we would have thought it would be Um, with Jamar chase kind of looking really iffy in the preseason. um, I was kind of hoping that it would just be like T Higgins smash season. And then, you know, chase (laughs) would figure it out later on. Uh, But what's really happening is, you know, that I chase is actually wide receiver three in terms of targets per game, wide receiver three on the team in terms of receptions per game. Uh, but he's, he's averaging the most receiving yards now his week one performance with a hundred plus, you know, really helps, but he's also pacing the group and average air yards per game uh, pretty easily. Actually uh, yep. his air yards per target, 17.8. <laughs> so he kind of looks like the he's the deep threat on the team um, with Higgins kind of being like uh, probably like the true alpha. Um, yep. And then Boyd, you know, obviously being the underneath guy, it kind of reminds me of the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver core now. Um, you know, different players kind of in each role. Um, but it's going to be a little frustrating to figure out each week. You probably have to kind of if you've got these guys on your roster, you're starting them, obviously. But it just isn't going to feel great. You don't really know who's going to get what uh, each week. And then when you run over to the the running back side, I mean, you know, it, it may be Joe Mixon season. Finally, um, this many years into his career, uh, averaging sixteen point six PPR per game averaging 98 rushing yards per game. Um, you know, maybe not quite the, uh, receiving usage that we would hope, um, in terms of consistency, uh, five receptions through two games isn't, um, horrible, you know, but certainly we'd like to see that number, you know, up at least in the Derrick Henry range averaging four and a half receptions per game <laughs> would be nice uh, from, from Joe Mixon with his relative skill set. So, um, you know, I think I think the theme here is that the Bengals offense, you know, even in a week where, you know, they struggled uh, and really disappointed against the Bears, um, you're going to watch kind of the growing pains. But I think the talent is going to play out um, and you can feel good about, you know, the skill position players, you know, and Burrow might be a little matchup dependent, um, but at least in neutral matchups or favorable matchups, you know, all of these guys are going to, you know, kind of take terms, I think, with their splash weeks.
2: Yeah. And, you know, other encouraging things, I think, for Chase at this point, 7.1 yards uh, after the catch per reception has scored in both of the games. Now, of course, we only have the two game sample that could be a little fluky. But generally what you like to see with rookies is that when they come out, they find ways to produce. So though the target load hasn't been as high as we you know might have hoped for, um, it's still encouraging to see that he's already making an impact Perhaps it is the situation like you mentioned in Pittsburgh, which would have Chase being Claypool in that configuration, getting the lowest target volume. But I'm feeling somewhat good that we might see him be able to continue to utilize that workload moving forward. Um, But it would be nice if this becomes a situation where it's easier to predict what's going to happen week to week. So we will have to wait and see um, but super encouraging. So we talked about uh, KJ Osborne, right? Um, I think that Jamichael Hasty, if people didn't add, is a player with the whole 49ers backfield basically banged up that it's looking like Trenton Cannon might be you know, one of their main backs at this point. Um, so we talked about those guys. I just brought up Hasty. Anybody else that uh, you feel inclined to really throw their name out there. Of course, if anybody needs to go pretty deep on this, Sam Wallace each week is putting out a terrific waiver while article. Yeah. He went 22 players deep this week. Uh, we're not going to do that now, but you got some names for me, Curtis?
1: Well, I mean, it just depends on the format we're talking. Like in in redraft, uh, Cordero Patterson, um, you know, uh, he's, he's an auto claim at this point. Uh, looks, you know, really, really interesting there. Kind of going through um, some of the week one recommended pickups, Uh, you know, going back a week. Kenneth Gainwell could still be out there. Uh, We've got more information on him. JD McKissick could be out there. Um, We've got more information on him now. Um, I I really don't mind, like let, rather than a waiver wire claim. I think what I probably want to leave people with because another guy that could have made one of your fantasy snoozers of the week would have been Clad Edwards-Ulair. If you can get name value for uh like name based trade value for him in your redraft league, uh, like I would like I think I would trade Clad Edwards-Ulair for Tony Pollard. Like I like I I just would. I, I mean, he doesn't look dynamic at all. He he lost two high value touches um in yep. in the scoring area. Sean covered it in his article, you know, today on the site. Um, you know, Jet McKinnon took a high value reception and almost punched it in. And then Darrell Williams got the short yardage carry. Um and then there there was a, literally a screen called for Clyde Edwards Zilaire at one point and Mahomes uh Mahomes actually checked it off to the fullback instead. Um <laughs> like it's 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 over, man. Like it's it's over. Like this is the thing like players are a thing until they're not a thing. Like the quicker you move on from Clyde Edwards, you um, and, and get, you know, try to, you know, regain some of the, you know, equity that you had on draft day, like the better and, and dynasty might be a little harder because people are looking out, you know, across, you know, the future seasons. And I, I think, in some in some ways on running backs a little bit quicker to adjust but in redraft like after september how many people are really making trades anyway like if you can get some somebody who thinks they're selling high on a player like pollard or daryl henderson or you know some some players are really impressing early um who are just going to have you know either better production on a per touch basis or a much larger role like this is your time to cut bait um, that's probably how I prefer to, to end the episode. I think it's more worthwhile than, than waiver deep waiver claims.
2: Yeah, man. I mean, it, it's disappointing for me because I thought that we were looking at a player that could manage to get into having a nice share of receiving work, which is where I was expecting the value to come from this year. You know, it's one of those things that sometimes we see teams, they draft a player, and ostensibly, it seems like they have certain factors in their skill set, which in the case of Edwards Alaire was going to be the receiving work. And then the team just doesn't use it. So, you know, Edwards Alaire is just a pure rusher. It's not going to cut it, um, you know, for all the reasons that you've outlined. So, this was one it's disappointing. I got it wrong this year, uh, but you're right. If you're going to cut bait on him, now is the time to do it. So, I think that's an, an actionable takeaway. Curtis, good to have you back, sir. Um I am fired up now that we have some games that we're actually back into the action now that we have these things to break down each week. So just looking forward to keeping on, keeping on. I know it's not Friday, but send us off with just a quick couple sentences. I know you're excited about the season. You got you have to have something <laughs> oh, for us. Oh man.
1: Oh man, you put me on the spot on a Monday night. Um okay, a couple sentences. Hey, listen, even if you started 0-2, the season's not over. You just gotta get out there and grind. You can de- like let's scratch and claw, let's get back to two and two. And then it's anybody's ballgame. We're just trying to be 500 at the end of September. I think Bill Belichick has a quote, something to that effect in his career. Listen, the the season is long um, and our attention span is much longer than most of the people we're going to play in our leagues with. So just stick with us, um, you know, stick with your team. Don't give up. Don't get frustrated. You know, we're going to make sure that you get off of players like Edwards Hilaire and stay on players. Uh, who you should be staying on, and, and we're going to get there together.
2: Thanks for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us rotovizffshow at gmail.com and leave us a voicemail at 978